the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. What's up, y'all? I'm Bud Elliott. That's Jordan Maiden. That's Danny Cannell. That's our guest, Chris Hummer, in the top right and bottom left is Crosstown Cup winner, Tom Fernelli. <laughs> this is the Cover 3 podcast. Chip is still uh, unfortunately detained and uh, hashtag free chip. Free chip. Uh, but the show must go on. Really appreciate everybody joining us live here on this Thursday morning. Uh, and today we're going to talk a little transfer portal. We've got, got Chris Hummer, all things portal, Jordan Maiden. Helping us on the back end with the portal as well. Also, usually produces the show. Looking sharp today. Look, look at look at this collared shirt, man. I mean, that's our our <laughs> listeners and viewers don't normally get to see Jordan, you know, behind the scenes at home in the studio. Now we've got him all dressed up. He's looking like a he's became a man today. I'm just happy you guys let me be here. <laughs> <laughs> let him have a voice. Let him out. Let's go. Free Jordan. He's the anti-Coca in that Coca would kill us if we dared put him on the screen. But Jordan, he's been fighting to get on there the whole time. <laughs> Scratching and clawing. Oh, man. So today, Transfer Portal Show. Um, the reason why we're doing it today is because the deadline to jump in the portal, or at least to have your paperwork in, uh, was this week. And I guess, Hummer, I'll start with this. Probably should meet my phone. You know, just into that but uh oh, mother's day tea at the preschool went well so if you guys were curious hear. about that it's a professional quality broadcast here that's what happens when you let the producer also be on the show at the same time we don't get the hey meet your phones checked um so hummer are we expecting anybody else to jump in at this point like the deadline is is dead right it's done yeah it's we're past it we saw people trickle in monday tuesday wednesday because compliance can be slow sometimes once they submit their name Ahead of the May 1st deadline, so you just had to be in there. 11.59 on Sunday night. If you put your name in for the paperwork, you were good. Uh, but there was going to be a trickle after. We even saw a couple this morning. I don't know if they made the deadline or not, but right now we're at, I think, 2,888 FBS players in the portal. And I don't anticipate seeing many more players in the portal before August 1st when the portal will switch over again. But I, I do still think we'll see a couple, which I know we're going to talk about in a little bit. So I, I don't know if the NCAA gives us this data, but that, that number strikes me as really large. 2,888 is, is a ton of, of players. Just quick in my head math. That, that seems like a, a huge portion of, uh, of players in the sport. Do we know if those are all scholarship players, or does that number also include walk-ons? Yeah, so that'd be 22 per FBS team if it was just in general. So that's a lot. But a lot of it is walk-ons, man. Like, there's a ton of walk-ons in the portal. I would say overall, like, 1,800 to 2,000 scholarship players. So pretty significant numbers. So you're talking about like on average, like 15 players per school, maybe a little less. 
Um, how so much? How much different from last year? What type of increase? Because I think that, and, and I think like, what's the trend? Because I think that's been something that coach has been alarmed by. And then, of course, with the free, you know, transfer policy, without having to sit out a year, you would expect an increase. Just how big has it been? It wasn't a huge increase from last year. So last year, everybody was anticipating that the one-time transfer exemption would come through. I believe it passed in like April. So by that time, most players already entered the portal and like with the knowledge they were going to get the year anyway. So I think we were around like 2650 last year. So you're only talking about another 200 or so kids this cycle. And I think the difference is when you look at the first two years of the transfer portal when the one-time exemption wasn't in place, talking maybe like 1500 1400 kids per cycle so like almost double what we saw the first year of the portal basically is what we're looking at right now Hubbard, do we know how many of the guys in the portal today are super seniors i mean as we know the ncaa granted everybody an extra year of eligibility but the schools were like we don't really want to pay for this so we're going to get back down to the 85 do we have any way of knowing like are, are, have you noticed any trends with that um, I don't know the number offhand. I would say a decent number. Like I, when I, when we change the profiles on twenty four seven sports, I always raise my eyebrow and I see like a twenty seventeen and twenty sixteen still in there. And there have been several of those. There's going to be a lot. Of, there's going to be quite a few like 24, 25, 26 year olds playing college football this year, and even older in a lot of cases because of that. Um, the Bears will draft them next year. Yeah, man, you gotta you gotta get your value. <laughs> Did you guys take a lot of old dudes, Tom? Uh, they took Valis Jones, who I think is 24. They took Doug yes, Kramer, who I believe is 23. I'm I'm fine with the picks. I just they were getting made fun of for drafting old guys. But it's like there's a lot more old guys in the draft this year because of what happened. Yeah, um, and I, I anticipate we'll continue to see old guys because they're they're sticking around in college football. I'm I just what was the, uh, what we're was calling 24 year olds old now. I love that, by the way. <laughs> These geezers. <laughs> Those of us who are almost 40 are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so olds are pre-Gen Z, I think. So they technically are old compared to their peers. Like, so are yeah. they like, wait, so they're pre-Gen Z? I think so. I think 20, 24 and 25 still is a millennial. I might be wrong, and that is not my area of expertise, but I did write about that last year, and I think that's around the cutoff. It was like the sophomores and freshmen in college football during the pandemic were Gen Z, and everybody else was a millennial still. I saw I saw like a tweet or something yesterday that was basically calling people my age like geriatric millennials, and I was pretty triggered by that. So that's how I feel when people call me millennial, though. Like yeah. I feel pretty geriatric. Uh, <laughs> Hummer, all right. To be somewhat related to the transfer portal, uh, you mentioned the, the the guys who were freshmen and sophomores during COVID. I remember thinking, gosh, with the portal opening up. We're going to have a lot of this class of 2021 recruits jump in because they never had a chance to actually take visits and be recruited in the same way that you know, everybody else has been who went through the process. In, in changing all these profiles around, and, and Jordan, I know you helped with this as well, are you guys seeing a lot of uh, 2021 high school recruiting class in relative to the other classes? Yeah, and, and yeah, definitely. I mean, the number one overall player in the country for 2021, I guess – 2022 is in the portal when, but or in 2021 because we moved them. So that is the best example possible. But yeah, we're we're seeing a lot of 2021s move. Caleb Williams already left. I'm just looking at the guys at the top of the class, and we've seen a ton of examples of that. And I think that's because of the unsteadiness of that recruiting cycle. They weren't able to visit schools. They weren't able to really talk with the coaches in per in person. And when you couple that with 
like maybe a little bit of questions about where you sit on the depth chart, how you get along with these coaches and you've got tampering going on. I think it's created an environment where we're seeing a ton of underclassmen move in a way we probably haven't seen before. Before we get into some of these names, um, we had a couple questions in the chat a couple shows ago that were saying that grad transfers don't have to be in by the deadline. Is that is that true? Can you clarify for that for us? So I actually, I talked to a lot of player personnel people and compliance people to get this question answered because I got mixed answers. Originally, a couple of people I thought to thought, thought grad transfers had an exception, like they were able to enter later, but they actually follow the same rules. They just have the advantage of using the old grad transfer waiver that was part yeah. of college athletics. So they're very likely to be eligible when they enter the portal post May 1st, but they do follow the same rules. They have to apply for a waiver if you're in May 1st, if you're a grad transfer. It's just much more likely to be granted than somebody applying for a waiver because of a sick family member or something like that. And that waiver is essentially you just pick a, a grad program at your new school that your old school doesn't offer. Yep. Um, okay. Yeah, I remember the the corner the corner that Florida got in 06 from Utah. Ryan, anybody guys remember this? Like they, Urban Meyer was the first one to use like the grad transfer thing. They, they picked up yeah. a corner. Um, I remember he picked a major that Utah didn't offer. And so they're like, oh eligible um yeah that was always my favorite part of the grad transfer rule though where it has to be the school doesn't have the major that you're looking for or you're transferring to because even after you've graduated which is supposed to be the goal of you being there they're still like no you can't go unless you're doing something different like once you graduated you're still ours and forget building on the degree you just spent four years working on uh, mm -hmm. something totally different. yeah yeah it's like that was great four years now go do something else with your life <laughs> do you think we see this trend slow down because of the like a lot of these guys might change their mind you know again but they've already used the free pass do you think we see it kind of rain back a little bit or do you think this is just where we are uh, eventually i know i'm sure y'all i know bud has talked about this quite a bit i think when we'll really see this slow down is 2024 when the super seniors phase out because even though a lot of people have already used the one-time exemption, we already have another class coming in that hasn't used it yet. And I, I will say some of those, these underclassmen classes are smaller overall than some of the older ones that we're seeing just simply because less high school kids were taken. So in that way, it'll shrink a bit, but I don't think we'll see a seismic shift in the amount of players entering the portal until that super senior group expires because there's just so many extra players out there that can't fit under that 85 cap. And actually, like, I know we're going to get into this in a little bit with the NCAA considering lifting the 25 player cap per cycle and allowing teams get up to 85. They're going to be even more spots for players to tr switch teams in the transfer portal because teams will have more room to add more people. So I think we're going to see a significant number of players in the portal, at least through 2024. I think it makes I wonder, a lot of sense. I was, was going to say, I wonder if we're going to see like the numbers kind of stay where they are even after 2024, because I don't know if we want to get into it now, I could wait, but like you were just talking about with the idea that there's going to be a possibility of classes where there's not 25 player caps. And just because of the transfer portal, we're going to allow it to be, it's not as many players in the class as much as it's, you can have 85 scholarships, however many you do per year, you do per year. I wonder if we're going to see, you know, maybe some uh, nefarious actions with that, whereas it's more players being, pushed into the portal because of that because coaches want to bring in newer freshmen and new bigger classes because of it which could lead to the same influx of transfers that we've seen just maybe for a little bit more non non-opted just kind of pushed that way 
Man, I mean, Chip goes to jail. Tom hosts a couple times. He's just nailing these segues you got planned out. Like, so that's what I wanted to ask about. I, I re-listened to the show that we had Hummer on from three months ago, uh, talking about sort of the post, uh, you know, postseason wave of transfers, and we were talking about a lot of the quality of the players. We've seen a huge wave of guys jumping into the portal in the last couple of weeks, but. Am I wrong to think that the actual quality of this is maybe not quite as good? It, it, is this wave more about dudes getting told, hey, uh, you don't got to go home, but you got to get the hell up out of here? Yeah, guys like Jordan Addison steal the headlines. But I think we had 400 players in the last week go on the portal. And I would say maybe 25 of those 400 are going to be quality Power 5 players next year. Um, I had several people in college athletics tell me, like, there's going to be a lot of, like, bad players entering the portal because – Unfortunately, like players get run off in college football. And as Tom said, I, that is actually why the 25 cap was initially created. So mm -hmm. schools couldn't bring in new players every year and cut the players that weren't working out. And I think we're only going to see more of that if the 25 player cap lifted again. So there was a lot of processing this week. Absolutely. And there's definitely a lot of players just kind of throwing their hands up in the air because they're not going to have a spot at the end of all of this because their school forced them out. Question for everybody, not just for you, Hummer. Because of this, with that idea of, you know, the 85 limit instead of 25 per class and possibly seeing more players pushed out, is there a chance that with the money coming in now, we just see kind of a scholarship increase? You know, like we, we went back, you know, they, they originally put these caps on to like limit some schools from being able to hoard like every single player in the country to allow, you know, just to quote unquote, bring parity to the sport. But really hasn't done that. So is there a chance that we're going to see instead of an 85 scholarship limit, schools, if they want, could have 100 players on scholarship. And that way that maybe keeps them from having to force people out. Maybe, but I think it's a long way down the line. Just when we had Dot on, he kind of alluded to this, but I think what's going to happen first is that they'll probably go like full scholarships, baseball, full scholarship, softball. Um, like if, if they have the whole P5 breakaway thing or whatever, you know, new division breakaway, I think they're going to go full scholarships for Olympic sports first before they expand even more to football. Assuming they keep scholarships. Yeah. Right. Eventually they might just have like, Pay. here's teams sponsored by Ohio mm -hmm. State, you know, and they're just employees. I'm actually happy um, you bring that up because I think a lot of people who follow college sports don't understand that aside from football and basketball, most of the student athletes aren't on total scholarships. They're partial scholarships. Yeah. Unless you're a baseball player at Vanderbilt. Unless you're a baseball player at Vanderbilt, yeah. Oh, wait, Vandy's full scholarship? I mean, Vandy's just a minor – they're like a minor league affiliate at this point. They're just churning guys out so quick. <laughs> and they're the second-best team in their state this year. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like they just churn dudes out. They're, they're like a real, you know, legit baseball program. That dude threw 105 and a half the other night. Like, I, I'm assuming that gun was juiced, but by, like, I don't know how much. That, that's crazy. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. 
And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Top names in the transfer portal from the post, uh, like post-Christmas, post, uh, you know, post being in for spring deadline. Who are we still looking at? The most impactful guys to jump in if you've just been hibernating for the last couple of months, you haven't been paying attention to the transfer portal. Maybe you're a college football fan who just you know, watches the games more. You don't really follow this on a day-to-day basis, which you should at 24-7 Sports, and you should like and subscribe to our videos here at the Cover 3 College Ball podcast. Um, who are the names that you think really are going to impact the sport who have jumped in um, you know, recently and, and you know, kind of post, um, post-spring? um in terms of guys that are still available or just guys in general i let's let's start with still available uh, i mean jordan addison's the big name um i don't think he's the best receiver in college football but he's in the conversation um he's gonna be a first round pick most likely in a year um so wherever he ends up is he's gonna make a major difference um i've heard usc like everybody else texas is absolutely in there his former wide receivers coach, Brennan Marion at Pittsburgh, is now at Texas. He's there. I've heard a lot of Alabama buzz. I know that Bryce Young thing that happened yesterday got the internet rolling. But I, I was hearing even before Jordan Addison went in the portal that if somebody like Jordan Addison goes in, like Alabama would definitely like a crack. Because I know they've taken two receivers so far. But I, I don't think they're confident they have like an alpha alpha. Like they had with Jameson Williams last year. Georgia absolutely needs a receiver, but I don't know. Um, how attractive playing with Stetson Bennett is if you're Jordan Addison. <laughs> Another you know. hand. Wow. The comment wow. section tells me it's extremely attractive, Hummer, and he's very good. National championship winner, of course. Um, haters. Sorry, sorry, to Stetson Bennett. Um, but yeah, Miami definitely needs a receiver. They'll be in there, but I think it's going to come down to USC, Texas, and Bama if they choose to really push their way into the picture. Um, the other, do you really- guys think he's he's not already signed and just waiting it out so it doesn't look like tampering, like Caleb Williams? <laughs> yeah, that, I yeah. mean, I've had some people speculate that absolutely. So, because um, like, there's definitely been some stories that we'd heard about. It's like, okay, this guy might visit here and he might visit there. I'm like, well, if he does, he's going just pure like old school bag collecting because the NIL deal to this school is already done. Done. I've absolutely heard one Power Five school. Um, that is paying a lot of money for players right now that has told multiple players just to take visits so it doesn't look like they like it is it is absolutely happening and it's happening quite frequently um so that is that is a real possibility jordan addison um usd was the school i heard like like days before he even went in the portal that was something we were looking into so um i would just keep that in mind um the other name i would really focus on that's available right now is jermaine lowell people probably aren't as familiar with him he's from arizona state defensive tackle he was actually, we made a list of the top 50 players in college football going into the season. He was like number 46 on my list, I think. Um, he's one of the best players in the Pac-12. He was just hurt all year last year. 
Um, he told our Arizona State site actually that he's going in to explore NIL opportunities um, just on the record. So USC is another school, is the school I've heard with him quite a bit as well. So USC could get the top two players in the portal potentially in my opinion. So. He should consider Illinois because we have <laughs> NIL money and a need on the interior of the defensive line. So, you know, just saying, just saying, there's lots of NIL opportunities. I make a lot of money on this podcast, buddy. Just, just letting that out there. Unlimited Tom, chance. your experience, do a lot of people move from Arizona to Illinois? Because I kind of feel like they move yeah. <laughs> from Illinois to Arizona. Definitely. Like, like, not no, the other way around. A lot of people can't take that dry heat. And they're like, you know what? I want some snow and some cloudy days. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think the uh, one other guy that uh, we might be forgetting is J- Jalen Robinson, receiver from UCF. I know he's looking at uh, Tennessee right now. He's looking at TCU. Um, I know Georgia has kind of dipped their foot in there, making a visit from him. But a uh, guy that was really explosive under Josh Heupel in 2020 and, and didn't get a lot of time with Gus Malzahn last year. You know, what he did, he – had 18 catches like 300 something yards but uh you know big play threat speedy guy i got a broad based question and maybe bud or hummer or any of you guys can answer because i've heard this alluded to like nil rights as opposed to like some of these deals that are happening under the table like let's say jordan addison did sign some sort of endorsement deal or nil deal it's not with usc so couldn't he burn usc and go somewhere else and play somewhere else and and maybe even get money on top of what he's already getting could you do that i'll have the lawyer answer that question yeah <laughs> it look it depends on the contract language but mm-hmm. from what i've heard what some schools are doing is basically hey you come here and certainly i think the the the, uh, the spire sports with tennessee that the athletic reviewed um like you're signing over the entirety of your endorsement rights. So like you basically have a non-compete with anybody else. Uh, so for instance, you can't assign it to a school, but you could assign it to a market. Like maybe, you know, Los Angeles Boys and Girls Club. And we'd like you to do appearances at uh, you know, 10 a.m. on a Tuesday and then also like 4 p.m on Wednesday and you make it times that are just extremely inconvenient uh, for somebody living in Austin, Texas to be able to fulfill that contract. Um, so that's kind of the way that I think if you're smart, you write these things. Um, that's what, that, that's what I was referring to as far as like already locked up. Now look, Hey man, there's nothing stopping another school from taking a kid who's already got a, a full fledged NIL deal from dropping a sack of poker chips or, you know, just, Hey, Oh, 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 crypto wallet just cash happened to fall out yeah right um but as far as like legal stuff that you can wash and and pay taxes on um you yeah these collectives can't own the entirety of your rights if that's how they write the deal do you think that they still pay in gold bars because like (laughs) what school is most likely to pay in gold bars because i just don't know like if i don't like i don't know maybe it's because i'm a geriatric millennial I just don't trust the crypto. So it's like, I, it's too volatile for me. I just want something safe and solid, like a gold bar. <laughs> Texas is famous for having all the gold, all the money that's not in the Vatican. So I feel like Texas would probably be your best bet. So Mathis was a crypto guy. They were offering gold. That's what happened. Yeah, the wires <laughs> just got crossed, you know? Like, not everybody can be a Spencer Dinwiddie out there. <laughs> I, I, 
I think the comments are right here. It probably is Notre Dame, like the school most likely oh, to use gold bars. True. Yeah, that's a fair point. They hide it in the helmets, those sneaky. Sons. <laughs> <laughs> Just replica helmet, melt it down. <laughs> oh man. So, other names that we maybe well, is there anybody else left in the portal who we think will really move the needle? Uh, and then, who are some guys who have recently committed that? You know, maybe the casual college ball fans don't know about or didn't recognize, but who could really have a real impact on this season? Um, left in the portal, like Gary Bohannon, maybe. Um, Baylor's former starting quarterback. Um, he visited Missouri over the weekend. I think Missouri's in really good shape for him. Um, they've been looking for a quarterback the entire offseason. Uh, missed on JT Daniels. Missed on another one that I'm blanking on off the top of my head. So, Jaden Daniels. I'm sorry? Jaden Daniels as well. Yeah, and Jay Daniels. Yeah. Um, so to get him in and have an experienced arm in that room could make a difference in the SEC East, I suppose. Um, so that's one. Um, Jordan, are there any guys that have committed recently that you like really stick out in your mind? Like, my brain is kind of a mush from the last like, couple of weeks, I'm not gonna lie. Uh I mean Brew McCoy obviously is headlines, but you know, what's left there mentally and then obviously he has all the physical tools. Um I think Rue, by the way, is going to be really good. I think if he yeah. has a good year, he can still easily be a day two pick in the NFL draft if he's got all the physical tools in the world. And I've heard he's like doing very well, like mentally, and he's ready to play. So um, I would I would watch for Brew McCoy to replace Phyllis Jones very or very efficiently. There you go. Um, Future bear. Trying to think of any any other guys that really move the needle. Um, I mean, like Hummer was saying, this most recent wave and. And Bud, we we actually talked before we went on. Um, I think a lot of it is just coaching staffs, you know, running guys into the portal and you know just kind of trying to get them out of the program. Awesome. Which uh, which schools would you say have done the best job with the portal? And both in terms of obviously quality of the hall uh, that they got, but also is there anybody? Oh, Hummer, yeah. Sorry, I, I shouldn't mention Eric Gentry, another yeah, Arizona, Arizona State player, State. Yep. went to USC. Like he is, he's he's still like he's still putting on weight, but in terms of like twitchiness off the edge and attributes, like that guy's a freak. And I think he's going to be really good for USC next year. Like put him next to um, Corey Foreman potentially, and they're going to have a really dangerous pass rush. So USC um, has managed to get uh, much better through the portal, and I don't think they're done. So that that's a big one. I know McCoy. I kind of need USC to stop because I, I'm going to owe AJ, uh, our, our social manager, a steak dinner if USC wins 10 games in regular season. Yeah, I might owe him a burger. We don't all have blood yeah. money here, but that was the bet I made with him as well. I, I, I know McCoy's a big name, obviously, for a lot of reasons, but another guy that went to Tennessee came from Ohio State, the cornerback, Andre Turrentine. Like, what's this? Is that somebody that is going to be expected to be starting for Tennessee right away and could be an impactful player? Uh, I. I don't think he's going to be expected to start. He's uh, he's more of a safety than he is a corner, um, safety or nickel. And he was just buried on the depth chart at Ohio State. That happened. Uh, they had, yeah, right. They had a, they had a six-year guy, a couple uh, fifth-year guys uh, at safety, and then like a maybe like a redshirt junior or something. Um, but he played the majority of their spring game, I think, you know, maybe just as goodwill to try and get some stuff on film. And uh, I know Tennessee went after him pretty hard immediately, so I, I'm I'm guessing they think he can make an impact pretty quickly. I don't know if that's in a starting role, um, 
at least not at safety. I mean, Tennessee's got some guys that uh, Trayvon Flowers, Jalen McCullough that are, you know, three-year starters at safety. So he may he may push for playing time, but I don't know if he's starting right away. It may still be a project. I think I think like a guy like Corey Kiner, who went from LSU to Cincinnati, could be their next Jerome Ford at running back. I think they were very excited to get him. Um, going back a little bit, Tyro Harrell going from Louisville to Alabama. Um, certainly some allegations of tampering are going on there, but Tyro Harrell is like legitimate, like legit four two five guy. Mm-hmm. So that speed's going to help Alabama immensely. Marquise Irving went from Minnesota to Oregon. Irving's the type of guy who could be running back one in Oregon next year. Um, he played quite a bit for Minnesota this year and was pretty good. So those are those are some recent names that I'm remembering now. That I'm going through the last couple of weeks. So. Um, not a ton of names out there that'll make a huge impact on the season, but there have been some notable. Are there any, uh, are there any teams that you feel like who have done a really good job figuring out the sweet spot, like who we can actually get, you know, back channeling, I'm not saying tampering, but just knowing who to get on right when they get in the portal uh, and maybe some underappreciated portal halls that filled needs and um, you could really improve their stakes. Everybody kind of knows LSU and USC and, and, Ole Miss, and we'll talk about them. But is there any sort of down ballot candidates that, that have impressed y'all? I liked Kentucky quite a bit, honestly. I think Kentucky's done a really nice job in the portal. Like, obviously, Wadnell Robinson's gone, but they brought in Javon, uh, Javon Baker from Alabama, who couldn't potentially play in the slot. They also brought in um, Tavion Robinson from Virginia Tech, who I love, one of the most versatile players in the ACC, um, one of the best punt returners in the ACC. I think it's going to be great for them. Um, they also brought in some help along the offensive line because they needed it. Um, they were replacing four or five starters. So I think Kentucky this offseason put itself in a position to, again, be in that eight to 10 win range thanks to some of its additions in the portal. So I, I don't know about everybody else, but I, I really liked what Kentucky did. Uh, Louisville also had a pretty good haul. Um, I know, at least with Tyler Harrell gone, the uh, receiver they brought in from, I think it was Missouri State, uh, Tyler Hudson. I know, uh, you know, just from listening to summer school, they they kind of expect him to be the uh, the number one guy there, and then brought in a bunch of cornerback depth. Uh, Jaden Williams from USC, um, Quincy Riley from MTSU, uh, Bud Jarvis Brownlee from uh, Florida State. So, <laughs> um, I really like, like how they've been a restock. I was gonna say that's a team that could certainly use an influx in the secondary after what I've seen the last few years. No doubt about it. What's your favorite portal class? Mine? Sure. Sure. Uh, Alabama, because they got probably three of the best players in the country at their position to come to Alabama. It's, it's a pretty ridiculous class. Um, if you're talking about off the radar, I think a school like SMU has done a really good job. But I, mm-hmm. I think without question, the best portal class is Alabama. Like they just they added three of the players in the country um, via the portal. And what they're doing is kind of ridiculous. So definitely them. I'm glad you went there, uh, being that they did take Tyler Steen from Vanderbilt. And not that you can't get good players from Vanderbilt, but in doing these summer school series uh, episodes that I've been doing, I'm like, hey, what position might they continue to pursue throughout the summer in the portal? And everybody's like, oh, offensive tackle. It's like, mm, okay. So everybody needs one. Bama's <laughs> dipping down to take a kid from Vanderbilt. Uh, what positions are you finding – that schools are more able to take in the portal uh, and, and which positions are, uh, are less likely to be able to like, be filled with quality? 
Um, well, sorry, offensive line, which is interesting. I guess like some live news. Like I thought we were done with transfer portal stuff, but Willie Allen. I don't know if anybody remembers him. He was an all-conference. ULM. Yeah, a Tech. Then he went to Michigan. Then he was at UMass. He just went in the portal. So maybe, maybe that's a hail mary for somebody who really needs offensive line help. Because I know for a little bit Michigan thought he was going to help, and it didn't really work out that way. Um, but offensive line and defensive line are by far the hardest positions to find quality players at. I had a player personnel director tell me the other day that it's kind of the opposite of what you would expect with NIL because there's so many quarterbacks, wide receivers, and skill position players available, and those guys get all the attention because they have the football in their hands. But the most valuable thing in the portal and the people, like technically with NIL, that are worth the least are the big guys in the trenches. Mm-hmm. And there's just so few good ones that the schools are either a paying a premium to keep them there or b like selling them hard on like getting developed and drafted where they already stayed. So there just aren't enough of those guys to go around where even with an Alabama, like Tyler Steen is one of the best players in the portal at tackle. And he's probably not, he's probably what, like top 50 tackle in college football, maybe like based on his previous production. So like there's a difference between what you can get at the skill positions and what you can get along the lines of scrimmage. Yeah, I also think too, just on the offensive line side of things, like with a quarterback or a receiver or a running back, they're highly rated or, you know, they, they come to a school thinking they're going to get playing time. Most offensive linemen out of high school understand that at most programs, like there are some guys who are going to play right away. But for the most part, they understand that the first year or two they're on campus, they're not playing. They're going to be, you know, they're going to be working out. They're going to be getting in shape to play in a couple of years. So it's like they're not really looking to enter the portal as quickly because they knew from the start that it wasn't going to be a thing that I'm just jumping in and I'm the starting left tackle at Alabama. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. 